Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of The Call for the next 60 minutes. We analyse 10 stocks that you suggest we take a look at and we put it to our expert panel and uh, let's get straight into one of my favourite panels, Nathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics who joined Twitter in the last seven days. And boy, (laughs) have we learnt so much. Not only do we get his thoughts on the market, but also how he fuses Indian into Mexican cuisine with the, the Indian bent on tacos, Nathan. Just genius. <laughs> Would you believe that's uh, the product uh, that I use, uh, Old El Paso. That was actually my very first job when I graduated. I was a project engineer <laughs> in Old El Paso. Uh, also, his partner in crime today on the panel, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor. Uh, Gaurav, have you started following Nathan on Twitter? I'm actually not on Twitter. And from what I've heard, I don't think I'm going to be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't think Nathan should be either. <laughs> to be honest, I just think it messes with my psychology a little bit. I, I, I would rather not get instant feedback on every comment um, made. <laughs> All right. You certainly do need to have a tough skin. That's for sure. Guys, always great to have you aboard. Now, for the next two weeks... We're going to do something a bit different here on the call. Usually, I can kick it off with the stock of the day. But last week on the call, um, a company came up called Archer Materials in front of the panel. And it's a company that's involved in quantum computing. And Henry Jennings from Marcus Today said um, he loves the stock, the company. It's off everyone's radar. And he said that this would be a, could be a stock that changes your life. And he was recounting the story that they had a competition with their Marcus today a couple of months ago to pick one stock that could change your life over the next five years or so. Just one that has the potential to, to go through the roof, but something that's a bit out of the ordinary. So I'm going to steal the idea and put it to our, put it to our panel over the next two weeks. If they had to choose one stock, a stock that would change your life, a stock that has the potential to change someone's wealth for the better, what would it be? So I've given both Nathan and Gaurav uh, plenty of heads up on this, or the weekend at least. Um, And Nathan, what would be one stock that you reckon could change somebody's life? Well, the one that I went for was actually my stock pick for Ausbiz for last year. Uh, it was IGO. Yeah. Um, I think when you think about the macro um, on the concept of reflation, uh, commodity cycle, you think about uh, where we are going in renewable energy, the commodities associated with renewable energy, battery tech, so forth. 
all of those things. And then you put it aligned with, with uh, high quality management who've executed well. Um, I think IGO sits right there. Um, I think it's had a good run. They've moved from purely um, nickel play with a bit of gold to divesting the gold to now lithium play. I suspect that when you're looking for battery tech play, and that's going to be played out over the next decade or so, I think IGO is one of those high quality um, miners with really high quality management that will continue to do well and continue to evolve. I think they'll keep adding to the exposure and you might be looking at IGO as a future uh, diversified play for the battery tech. It might be the dominant player for that. Uh, I mean, okay. if you look at this sense, you've got BHP, Rio, and probably South32 as your diversified player. And I think IGO might be the dominant diversified player okay. for battery tech. All right, an interesting one. Interesting resource stock there. Um, Gorev, um, it, it makes you think, doesn't it? One stock that you think could change change your life over five years. Um, what did you choose? I went with an old favorite, Kosha, you'd know it well, uh, Ordinate. We've spoken oh, yeah. about it many times. Um, and for people who don't know it, it's a, um, it, it owns a, um, a protocol called Dante, which is a collection of hardware and software that controls audiovisual systems. And it replaces um, wired systems with a wireless um, with a wireless network and, and that enables you to set up more complicated systems easily and gives you more intricate control of the of the network once you've set it up now the reason this business is so attractive um, and you wouldn't know it by looking at any of the printed financials mind you is that uniquely he's a company that is in a winners take all position and most of the time every time a company succeeds or a shows any sign of success it's met by a wall of competitors and a whole army of capital trying to breach whatever advantage they've come up with. And, and I think this is in a unique position because it will be a winners-take-all market. It's a, it's a natural monopoly. Whenever you've got um, one protocol that's in the lead, and these guys have about 16 times the, uh, the devices of any other competitor, and that lead is actually increasing, then any new product that comes into the AV space by yeah. default almost has to have the Dante protocol. So yeah. it'll be very, very soon they'll have a, a, a new monopoly and then it just comes to monetizing that monopoly, which will take years, but is a, a pretty high probability event. I might also add, add Koshi, that this, this concept, um, while a lot of fun, absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. That's what it's good. <laughs> we won't hold you to it, but it's interesting. Um, because ordinate share price seems to have sort of plateaued because there are no concerts going on, there's no outdoor activity. So it's just been consolidating its market. And in fact, when you're talking about it last time, my son, who's best mate with, with Hayden James, the you know, international performer here in Australia, and, and also another mate is the music director of Peking Duck, he went and said, what do you know about Ordinate and Dante? And they just raved about it and said, Gaurav's absolutely right. It just dominates the music scene going and will going forward. So, yeah, it's an exciting company. And that, that transition from sort of analog networking to digital networking has a really yep. long way to go. So it's it's a potentially a billion dollar market and, and they will end up owning sort of yep. 80, 90% of it at very high margins. Right. Okay, thank you too. 
two for kicking off our, our little theme, stocks that could change your life. Uh, now let's get into the stocks that you've suggested and uh, Nathan, um, Mark wants a view on Webjet, the online travel booking agency. Look, I think the travel industry obviously has been beaten up uh, and they've raised a lot of money uh, to keep themselves afloat. Um, but you look at where we are, we, we were actually positive on the uh, travel sector for the last couple of months. We thought things were turning around, um, but it's it's now the risk return has turned around. Um, I think it's tougher for the travel tourism sector over the next six months. Um, if you look at what's happening on the vaccine rollout, that's the key thing globally. Uh, will that cover most of the regions? Well, I think the developed nations are probably going to be covered by probably Q3. Um, at the end of Q3, you'd say US, Europe has a decent coverage. But if you look at emerging markets, they're probably going to take well into 2022. Australia is now looking at potentially getting the Pfizer um, supply in Q3, end of Q3. So you're looking at Q4, where things will open up. And inevitably, you've seen that there's always going to be some delays that you haven't seen. So we're looking at something where most of these stocks are going to struggle for the next three to six months. So that's my problem with it on the macro side. Again, they've issued a lot of capital, so you needed to see rampant recovery um, to make it worthwhile because you have diluted your future growth. So for me, we've been positive on it. We've actually recently turned negative on the travel sector. We just think the things are going to be delayed too long. Okay. So I would have been. Okay. Uh, Gaurav, what do you think of Webjet? You know, Koshi, sometimes it's very easy to be the contrarian and sometimes it's really difficult to be the contrarian. And in this case, this is a very easy, obvious contrarian play. We all know what the, what the pandemic has done to earnings. Um, there's lots of peers who are suffering equally. And everyone assumes that once all this is over and back to normal, then the regular trajectory of earnings will continue. And that may well be the case, but as Nathan alludes to, the capital structure has completely changed in this business. Um, over the last two years, they've actually doubled the amount of equity in the business. But I'd argue that's a long-running pattern of behavior. If you go back even further, go back to, say, 2015, 2016, the, the capital in the business has actually risen about eight times. And they've used a lot of money. They've always raised money to go out and buy acquisitions. A lot of the the business has been built on acquisitions. And I think that the, the, the proof of the concept hasn't really been established for me. Um, we've actually owned this in the past. Um, we've recommended it in the past. And most of the team is relatively positive about it. The, and the reason for that is it owns a business called Webbeds, which is the big, where the big chunk of value lies. And they, they're the second largest um, uh, reseller in the world and they buy surplus um, um, hospitality bookings and they resell them at a much higher price. So it's almost like a wholesaler yeah. and they do um, they do this at very large scale and they've built that business up with acquisition. I think management is fantastic. The business idea, if it works, has a lot of potential, but the amount of capital being poured into it, um, the uncertainty about success, and I think the valuation as well, it, it all kind of leads to a hold to a sell. For me personally, I'd probably sell. I think our official recommendation is a hold. Um, other guys on the team like it a bit more. But for me, I'd be, I'd be selling. Mm. I think there are far better okay. opening plays than this one. Um, 
Just quickly, uh, with the takeover offer for Sydney airports today, um, um, Gaurav, are we going to see a lot, lot, lot more activity uh, in this area as um, sort of vultures, if you like, vulture investors come in and say, hey, let's gobble them up, uh, stockside this at low prices? I think there is growing evidence that these infrastructure style businesses uh, are not priced adequately by public markets and private investors with access to a lot of capital are willing to pay far higher prices than public markets are. Right. We've seen loads of evidence of that over the last few years. We saw it last week with Telstra and yep. the tower sales, which eclipsed yep. anyone's expectations. We've seen it today with Sydney airports, and I'm sure we'll see it in the future. So mm. I think there's probably a reckoning here. There, there's going to be either a re-rate by public markets, or a lot of these companies are actually going to be gobbled up by private investors who value um, certainty and of, of earnings um, and have access to very cheap mm. funding rates. Yeah, Nathan? Yeah, look, I think it, the interesting part is uh, what is the big players telling you about the market? I think returns are going to get a lot tougher going forward. And also, we're probably at the bottom of the borrowing cost cycle. So um, you are seeing a lot of M&A um, in this cycle because, um, you know, from here onwards, it's going to cost you more. So you might as well buy it now. And the bigger players, as we have said, they can uh, spread that investment through multiple funds, big money. So in that context, in a low growth environment, you know, the one-eyed man yeah. is king. So these guys that give you some certainty. So for bigger players, these assets are starting to look quite interesting. Mm, okay. Um, and maybe Auckland Airport is looking over its shoulder as well. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's move on to our second stock. And uh, Gaurav, Greg wants a view on Alliance Aviation, uh, one of the most profitable airlines in the world over, over the last year or two, hasn't it been? But is it an airline or a mining services company? Yeah. The big charter airline that services a lot of mining camps, but also uh, leases planes to uh, to Qantas as well. Yeah, you're quite right there, Koshi. The that observation is really key. The economics of I know it looks like a mining, like a um, aeronautical business, like an airliner, and the services they provide are certainly of an airliner. But the way this is managed and the economics actually look a lot more like a mining services business with a big um, big asset base and management has been really good just to get the utilization rates of that asset base up really high through contracts and through um, uh, um, through high pre-sales before they take to the air and that means the return on capital and the profits are actually pretty good especially when you compare them to other airlines this is a superbly managed business and I um, I really like the way management have been counter cyclical in their capital deployment you know during the the gfc they went off and bought um uh they had a, a fleet of these fokker um airplanes um yeah. and these are quite old airplanes and there was a they had a lot of trouble getting parts so when the um when the mining bust came around and asset prices plummeted they went out and actually bought every single plane they could find and they just stored them and used them for parts um and that reduced their operating expenses a long way and i just love that kind of entrepreneurship that they've shown and they've shown it again as asset prices have fallen during this pandemic crisis they've gone out and bought a whole new um, suite of planes as well and these are actually higher quality higher capacity planes 
newer. And the idea is to um, chase a, a different kind of uh, customer segment and, and earn higher margins from them. And so far, they've actually got contracts um, in place to use up a fair bit of that capacity. And I think they'll pursue the, the, the rest of that utilization as well. It's not terribly expensive. It's expensive for an airliner, but it's probably about fair priced for a mining services style business, especially a very high quality one. I'm going to go a hold here, but we still have a bit more work to do on this stock. And, and the quality of management, the, um, the, the growth prospects are actually quite good. For more aggressive investors, I think it's okay to buy at this price. But for the more conservative folk, it's, it's probably a hold from here. But a, okay. a wonderful business. Put on your watch list. Certainly the best airline stock in the world. Okay. Nathan? Yeah, I hate to agree with Gaurav, but yeah, this, <laughs> this is really high quality business. Um, they've done exactly as Gaurav said. They, you know, it's, it's a bit like when we look at the gold sector, you look at evolution when they buy an asset, you know, that's the bottom of the gold sector. It's a bit like that with Alliance Aviation. When they go and buy assets around the world, then you go, okay, that's probably the bottom for them. Um, it's, the only thing is, uh, I would say, is it's relatively illiquid. So that's where your risk is when the market gets hit, you know, every, everyone gets hurt. So Alliance will get hurt as well, but it is really well managed. So you look at the high quality of the management and then you kind of cancel that out because of the liquidity issue. But in saying that, this is one stock, look, I, I struggle to get excited by airline stocks and even mining services at this current cycle, because if you look at the CapEx outlook, it's not exciting for us. That's actually turned negative recently. So we're a bit worried about a lot of the mining services going into the next reporting cycle. Um, so for Alliance, I think they're really good, but you you want a discount to buy into that uh, stock at the moment for what it is. Uh, I know it's good. I, I've got no problem with that. If you're holding it, I'm happy to hold it, but I'm not jumping in and buying it here. I want a discount. And again, um, it is one where you look at it and say, if the market gets hit and people throw out Alliance, then I'm going in and buying it. But at this point in the cycle, I think the market is pricing it correctly. Um, I wouldn't be chasing it. Okay. All right. Uh, yep. Sorry. Because it, is a very, because it is a very asset heavy business and um, the utilization actually impacts profitability a lot. The company gives you lots of opportunities to buy it cheaply. Whenever there's a cyclical fall in the mining industry, this thing gets absolutely hammered. I remember we looked at this at less than a dollar um, uh, about five years ago and didn't know the business quite as well, so didn't understand it back then, but geez, we know it well now. And the next cyclical downturn in mining, this should be um, right up in front of you in lights, and, and this is one to buy um, okay. during any mining downturn. All right, there you go, Greg, thanks for suggesting that. Um, Nathan James wants a view on Sky City Entertainment. They're in the, uh, the gaming casino entertainment business. Uh, casinos in Adelaide and also in Auckland. Um, like a lot of the casino operators has got a query from uh, Oztrack, uh, has launched uh, an investigation into potential money laundering in Sky City. Um, what do you think of them? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I think it's just, at, for me at this point in the cycle, they've had, all had a decent bounce back. Um, I just think it's too hard. Um, there's too many uncertainties. Um, but it does, you know, uncertainties give you opportunities, but I want to see how it plays out. I think the shorter term, um, there is always these issues of clusters and so forth, and you get shutdowns, lockdowns, restrictions, that's always going to play out. And then these, um, I suppose, regulatory problems are not going to clear away, at least for another six months. 
Um, and so there is a number of, uh, I guess, negative catalysts that's going to play out for these stocks. So I don't see these guys really shooting the lights out in the next six months. The big one is obviously Crown, what's happening there and how that settles and uh, who ends up uh, owning Crown. And does that break up? People do they buy up the assets, someone else take them over. So I think that will be big sentiment for the sector where it settles. So for our overall sector perspective, I'm waiting to see how that plays out. Uh, but look, I think it's it's not bad. I, I mean, look, I, I like the whole New Zealand play, as you know, I love anything yep. New Zealand. Um, so in that context, you know, we've been a fan of Auckland International Airport. Um, uh, you know, if I had to pick one, Sky City looks okay. I think it'll do okay. But I just don't think it's going to be the big mover in the next six months. And if you're picking 10 to 15 stocks, oh, look, this is not in my top 10 to 15. Okay. Gaurav? Yeah, I've learned through hard experience that buying these sort of second tier casino businesses is hard work. Um, I've owned Danaco in the past, and geez, if you want a wild and crazy stock, Danaco gets my award for being the most craziest <laughs> business on the ASX. So they own casinos in Cambodia and um, and Vietnam, and one of the issues they had, they had armed gunmen storm their casinos and oh, cut off electricity and, and big men extorting their premises. and. Look, Sky City doesn't have any of those issues, but um, neither is the asset quality as good as um, Star City or Crown. This is a second tier casino business. I actually think management is quite innovative here. I remember um, a couple of years ago, um, their license for operating in Auckland was about to expire and they negotiated an extension of that license by offering to build the convention center in Auckland. So they funded oh, yeah. all the construction work on their own balance sheet in exchange for like a 27 year extension on their license. And I thought that's really clever, innovative stuff. Um, so I, I like that they're thinking outside the box, but the very fact that you own a casino and you have to do things like that tells you something about the asset quality. You know, the best casinos to own are the, are the things like Crown where you, you just sit there and you collect the money. You don't have to do very much. And we actually own Crown in Star City, and I'm pretty happy with that position. And and you'd really need a really cheap price to get interested into this one, and it's not really an offer at the moment. Okay. So all right. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, uh, James. Now, uh, Corey uh, Gorab wants a view on Endeavour Group, uh, only recently listed in the last week or so, uh, spun out of Woolworths. It's all there. Their liquor, hotel, and and gaming interests, things like Dan Murphy, BWS, uh, a whole bunch of poker machines. Uh, Grab, what do you think of Endeavour Group? Yeah, one of the rules we have in the office is whenever there's a spin-off, um, we allocate it to someone to take a look, and it's no different in this case. Spin-offs are a great source of opportunity because when a large business spins off a small one, often there's some forced selling involved as shareholders find themselves holding a smaller business than they anticipated. Often the smaller company is not well understood. Um, and with the dedicated management and a dedicated balance sheet, there's opportunities there that don't exist when it's inside a larger group. And I think all those things are probably true of Endeavor. And there's potential for mispricing here, especially because of all the ESG concerns. There's gonna be a large bunch of shareholders who can't or don't want to own this because of the significant pokies and obviously mm. alcohol exposure here. I think these are all great things to look at. Um, that's why we've been looking closely at this. I think it's fairly priced for the moment. Um, this is actually a great business. Everyone knows it's a great business. There's a couple of inherent risks here that 
are really difficult to quantify, but have enormous impacts on the company. Um, I think about a third of earnings somewhere around there comes from um, pokies and how that's going to change. I mean, regulators are looking at that, governments are looking at it, and there's a chance that those earnings could could change quite significantly. But there's also a big opportunity with the Dan Murphy's um, store network as well. So I would call it a hold for now. We've got a close eye on it. I, I think it's maybe mildly underpriced, but under six bucks, um, closer to five fifty or so, that'd be more interesting for me. It's a slow growth business, so the price you pay actually is quite important. This is not one of these companies you can pay an outsized multiple and expect to do better than average. So price matters here, hold. Okay, Nathan. Oh, uh, look, I think uh, Graf's right. I think in the short term, you're going to see some selling uh, because there's going to be resettling of the shareholding. Um, you've inherited something that you probably didn't want or don't want to tell shareholders you are. so in that context, there was going to be a bit of selling. So it'll settle down in the next couple of weeks. Um, I actually like it. Uh, I like it because it's got the potential to be something big um, and it, it has the potential to take advantage of a fragmented uh, industry. So you've got three parts, you've got the alcohol, uh, and then you've got the hotels, and then you've got the gambling. Um, obviously, the ESG was never in Woolworths to start with because of this, so now you've split it out, Woolworths becomes a better ESG product, um, but this one stays out of the ESG. But in reality, if you look at the alcohol side, fragmented sector, could aggregate and do even better, um, it could be a category killer in that category. Um, and then you look at the hotel side of things, obviously we all know that's struggling, um, I think in the shorter term, the domestic tourism remains strong and there's a potential for them to consolidate the sector, even in the hotel sector. So there's two parts where they could add more. Obviously, there's risk on regulatory side on the gambling. But, you know, I, I look at self-interest. Every government needs money. Uh, everyone's running massive debts. Budgets are shot to pieces and these things make money. So I don't think they're going to move anytime soon. They'll talk about it, but I doubt they're going to do anything in the short term. So I think if you're okay in the medium to, I mean, the short to medium term. I think the longer term, there's probably a risk there, but the other two categories look much better. And if the economy is opening up, the hotel should do even better. So in that context, I think two out of three looks pretty good to me. And again, this is probably the time to look at it because the market doesn't really know. Um, you're only beginning to see brokers starting to look at it bit by bit now. So the market's still trying to digest it. So I think it's an interesting one. I think it's worth the risk. So I'd go okay. for a buy here. Okay. Um, now you two have not lectured. You've you've talked to me for ages about the transformation of South 32 coming out of BHP. That it had an executive team at South 32 and though that that base metals area that was sort of hamstrung being under the BHP umbrella. Is the executive team of Endeavour? as good? Will they flourish like that outside of Woolworths? Uh, Gaurav, start with you. It's, it's not as obvious here. Uh, right. South 32, I guess we knew the asset really, really well. Um, Graham Kerr, who's now the CEO, he was um, an executive at BHP and never got the top job. So he's right. this frustrated CEO who finally got a chance to run his own ship. And the assets at, at South 32 accounted for 3% of the profit pool in BHP. It's so they never uh, really won in a fight to get capital, uh, okay. and, right. um, and and I think I don't think that's the case here. Dan Murphy's is is super profitable, has been yeah. meaningful to Woolies, um, and there's already a fair bit. And Woolies is I think has always been a much better managed business than BHP has been in the past. 
Um, so the opportunity isn't as clear here. I, I do think management's very good. Um, incidentally, we own um, Ale Group, um, which is the property yep. owner for Endeavour's um, pubs. And I think there's a pretty decent opportunity there. And it might be interesting to see what Endeavour does um, with Ale, because Ale looks like it's quite attractive. It might be a good use of capital to actually bring those properties back in-house and, and okay. buy that business. So you reckon Ale is a better bet than Endeavour Group at these prices? At this point, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I think you get you get a 5% yield up, up front, and um, I think that can grow quite significantly um, oh. over the next 10 years. Okay. Nathan? Yeah, look, with Endeavour Group, I think there is a still a bit of clarity that the market is waiting to get in what they're going to do because they do have a pretty decent balance sheet with a lot of firepower. So they're going to do oh. something. The market knows, but it doesn't know what they're going to do. Now, there could be acquisitions in you know, the alcohol side or the hotel side. They could be buying back their property, as Gurav mentioned. Um, there is a number of things that's you know, in their uh, eyesight that could improve the model. And I think once they make those big moves, they'll give a bit more clarity on what their payout ratio right. will be. At the moment, they're pretty, um, subtle about it. Um, so mm. I think those moves, you know, will re-rate the stock. Um, and I'm just waiting to see what they do. And I, I think it's well positioned uh, for the Australian uh, climate mm. to do well. Now, the question would be which part of the segment they're going to grow or move into to diversify the model or increase their model. So in that context, I'm willing to take the hit with the management to see what they do, because history shows they've managed this division well. They know how what makes it tick. Um, and they've done okay. well. So execution is till they fail, you back it. All right. There you go, Corey. You can't get better analysis than that, I don't reckon. Uh, Nathan Shang wants a view on ProPack Packaging. They're a uh, manufacturer and uh, distributor of industrial flexible and rigid packaging. This is um, in food processing, also in agriculture, uh, retail. This is the hard packaging, is it? Yeah, look, you know, every stock in the packaging sector has done well, even the underperforming ones. Um, so the ones that have problems, Amco is the best. Uh, so you just look at Amco, what it's doing, and if Amco is going well, you, you always look at the rest. Um, and I think it, it, look, it looks okay. I think the price for what it is, the yield is not much there left. So you're not chasing something that's going to give you too much. So in that context, I would say, um, you know, you, you you're not getting any surprises here. So okay. um, I'm not chasing it here. Um, I'm not chasing actually most of the packaging sector. But look, it's it's a sector for the thematic where we are in. We're in a pandemic environment. Um, you know, whether the vaccine uh, and boosters are needed for years to come, maybe. Uh, but the, the sentiment is going to be there for people to be health mm -hmm. conscious, worried about the virus. These kind of packaging will have a play to, for years to come. So I don't think that's going to go away. So I think it's an interesting stock. If you're if you're in it and you you know recovered, well, I'm happy to hold it, but I'm not going out and buying the sector now mm. because I think it's priced in for what it is. Okay, uh, Gorad. Packaging can be an industry that looks superficially lousy, but there are some really strong competitors in that field. Um, Amcor. Nathan correctly identifies as being a legitimately great business, and and that's because it it's. It uses packaging as part of product innovation. So, you know, when you're walking around the supermarket, have a notice next time how much um, new product is actually bundled up into the way the product is packaged. 
how much innovation actually comes from the packaging of the product rather than the contents of the product. And, and a lot of that actually comes from, from Amcor and, and other innovative packaging businesses. And if, if you're a, a, a packager and all you're doing is supplying the raw materials and, and sort of melting it and shaping it, you're really not very competitive up against the likes of Amcor. I mean, um, you know, we've all used the twist top uh, wine bottles instead of yep. the corks, right? They're almost um, standard now in, uh, in the wine industry. That was an innovation from an Amcor subsidiary. And there are a dozen others you can name where Amcor has come up with the underlying innovation that has helped a customer um, make more sales. You know, these are this, this is actually, that's what makes Amcor a great business. And that's really what's lacking in a business like ProPack, which is a bit more of a plain vanilla packaging business. Right. You need to get it very cheap to get good returns out of it. I think it's reasonably run. It's not an awful business by any accounts, but... When you have a when you're faced with a choice of Amcor versus this, it's just such a superior yep. business. I I, yep. I couldn't be tempted out of Amcor. Okay, all right. Let's just recap the uh, the first uh, five stocks stocks that could change your life: Ordnate and and IGO today, uh, Webjet a no, um, Alliance uh, a hold from Gorad for risk investors. Um, if your investment strategy is, uh, is at the higher end of the risk scale, could be a speculative buy for you, a no from Mathan. Uh, Sky City, a no from both. Uh, Endeavour, a yes from Mathan, a hold from Gorav. If it got down to around 550, you'd be interested. Maybe a better bet going into ALE, which is the, the landlord for all of the pubs that uh, Endeavour owns. That could be a, a better option for you. And uh, a no on ProPack, Amcor, a better alternative in that sector. Uh, here on the call, uh, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Any stock that gets uh, two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again and doesn't get unanimous approval, it goes out of the portfolio. Let's see how we're going. Uh, we're, for the week, we're up uh, almost a percent for the month of July, up over just over 2% since the 1st of July last year, up 35.5%. Some of the stocks that have recently been added, uh, uh, Eclipse Group, Link Administration, Life360, Hub24 and Energy One. Some of the stocks removed, Kodan, CSL and Oz Minerals. You can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, also coming up at 1.30 Eastern this afternoon, uh, Chief Executive of Oz Resources, Jonathan Lee. The company hit the local markets today following a, a $5 million IPO as it looks to expand out its five projects in WA. Jonathan will be explaining all of that at 1.30 here on Ausbiz. All right. Let's get into our uh, our final five stocks. James wants a view, Nathan, on Australian pharmaceutical industries, sort of its uh, health and, uh, and beauty product services company. Um, they also provide a whole bunch of brands, um, health and beauty products to Priceline and Priceline Pharmacies, uh, owns um, clean, clear skincare networks of clinics as well. Uh, what do you think of Australian pharmaceutical? Yeah, it's a boring stock. Um, <laughs> I like it. Um, it's it's kind of the sector that nobody finds exciting, but uh, you have to look at it when valuations come back. And um, 
there's only a few players. You've got EVOS, you've got uh, um, Sigma and API, um, and then you've got Chemist Warehouse listing at some point. Um, they're the best by a country mile. Uh, but look, everyone has a price, and uh, API came back recently to its valuation support level, and we've jumped on. Um, I think it's an interesting buy. If you look at which areas of the market in the retail sector still looks cheap and still doing well, it's more the staple retail, and API is your healthcare slash staple play. Um, so look, don't expect massive uh, numbers, but again, I think it's a stable business. Whenever you get a pullback in these things, you have to look at it, and I think API is in that area where, look, it's boring, but it's priced for it. So I'm mm. pretty happy with it. Okay. Um, Gaurav? Um, look, the business has a disastrous five-year record, net profit margins of 1%, facing an industry goliath like Chemist Warehouse. It looks like everything is stacked against it, but I'm actually going to say buy as well. Um, oh, because <laughs> All those things are reasons not to buy and why no one's really looking at it. Um, but underneath all of that, there's a lot going on in this company. Um, so it's worthwhile just taking a minute to go through it all. Um, so there's there's three divisions here. There's the retail-facing business, which is the Priceline Pharmacy, which is actually mostly a beauty and health store with a um, pharmacist dispensary attached to it. Um, <laughs> And then you've got the um, the distribution business, which I think is the second largest distributor in Australia after EBOS. Um, certainly not as good as EBOS, but um, but is, is is large and strategically valuable in its own right. Um, and then you've got a little um, uh, clinical business as well, which a little um, skin business as well, which is um, which is tiny, um, but I think it's worth something uh, as well. But we can probably forget about that for the moment. Now, the reason the business has done so badly over the last um, five year period is because the um, distribution business is actually highly regulated. Um, the amount of um, rebates the government pays um, for uh, drugs on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme is regulated in, in five-year increments. So over the last five years, the agreement between the distributors and the government was very unfavorable for the distributors. But last year, they actually renewed that agreement and they've added a lot more money into the um, into the pricing pool. Um, so all of the companies will actually do a lot better over the next five-year period. And and when you're looking at a business on a 1% margin, um, highly leveraged for volume, hit by the pandemic, um, and um, and people aren't going out as much, so the, the cosmetic sales in their retail stores have also fallen a long way, there's an enormous amount of upside available here. Mm. Even small amounts of, of increases will have, in percentage terms, a, a pretty remarkable impact on profits. And you're potentially buying this business for for single digit PEs, and it's not that bad. It's, it's a, this is probably an average business at best. It's not a great quality one. I think management's quite good. They've got a decent record of of running a hard business, but up against some difficult competitors. But valuation looks very attractive, and I think you'll see profits improve significantly as the regulatory environment um, improves. And it's completely off the radar. Uh, yep. Buy for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Nathan. The other thing to remember is there's there's mm. been previous approaches for M&A. So this industry, there's been talks about merging, merge between Sigma, API, or one of, you know, Evo's taking out one of them. This has been played around. So that's one free kick coming. The other thing to remember with the API is their exposure is mainly in Victoria. So, you know, historically in the last couple of years, pandemic has played havoc with their sales. Well, in this cycle, Victoria is actually doing better than most others. So for the next reporting cycle, API should hold up better. Yeah, okay. 
All right. Um, now, Rowan wants a, group, um, a view, uh, Gaurav, on City Sheet Collective, the um, plus-size uh, women's retailer, not only here, but expanded into the United States and into Europe. Share price up about 60% in the last six months. So um, even though it was not a great financial update the last time they reported, uh, the share price has done pretty well. Nice. Another example of a spin-off working really well. Nathan, do you remember, what was the company this got spun out of? It was a large, a sprawling women's retailer, I think. Was it was it Noni B or was it something else? Um, the old Millers, maybe? I, I can't yeah, recall. I but find out. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it's a spin-off um, out, of, out of that stable, which um, we had made poor investments in in the past, actually, so that's why I knew it. Um, but uh, this is actually a, a nice little niche, um, superbly managed. You know, there's, there's a couple of really good retailers in Australia at the moment. I'm not sure what's in the water in retail land, but um, or maybe it's the external environment flattering results, but there's, there's decent retailers appearing, and, and this is certainly one of them. The opportunity here is really in the US where they're rolling out stores. Um, the economics are fantastic. The competitive landscape is very attractive because they're focusing on a market that's potentially underserved and, and doesn't get the attention of a high, high, um, high-end brands or, um, or glamour-seeking retailers. Um, their online presence is fantastic. I think it's, it's now a third or maybe 40% of sales are online. Um, and once you've got that flywheel kicking, it's a huge advantage against competitors. Um, the, the price looks expensive, but good quality retailers, if they have a, a store rollout um, and scalable online platform, the profits really explode. We've seen that with LaVisa, which has been our favorite retailer for years, and it yep. has gone bonkers. Um, well, it's always looked expensive all the way through. I'm still going to go with a hold because I, um, I think you want to be really careful about paying large amounts of money in this kind of economic climate. But this is definitely a high quality retail to have on your watch list. And okay. there's there's a growing number of them in Australia now. The retail um, sector is looking uh, better than it has um, any time since I can remember. Wow. Uh, Nathan? Damn, I have to agree with Gaurav. Um, look, <laughs> Ed, what's going on today? <laughs> number of retailers are actually doing really well like if you can think of super retail you think of accent group you look at la visa um you know even look at shaver shop it's a bad sector they've done really well so they, you know there's management executing really really well it's almost like you can get a bunch of these guys and say they're like the gold stocks um they used to be bad managed i mean managed badly before now they're managed a lot better and that's the same in number of these stocks um retail stocks i think city chic is a a great business now. Um, they're doing really well, but you know the, the trick is everyone knows it. This is probably one of the most um, crowded trades for small cap fund managers out there. Everyone has it, so um, you're not finding a story that other people don't know. Everyone knows. So the problem is when the market and you're paying a, a decent premium because of that, and and they deserve it. They they've done well. They deserve it. The only problem is where's your margin of buyer coming from? So for me, if you're going for an investment, you have to think of, you, you want at least half the market to be against the story. So when they right. convert, that's where you get the upside from. I think with City Chic, almost 80 to 90% of the market is positive. Um, I don't think the other people don't look at it. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think that you convert in City Chic. It's okay. a good business. So it's one to keep on your radar. 
if it has a decent pullback, you look at it. And I think there's probably four or five retailers you do that with. Okay. All right. Uh, Charlotte wants a view, Nathan, on Unity Group, the telecommunications group in uh, wholesale, also the, the retail business operating here in Australia. You've been big on telcos over the last couple of months. Do you still have an yeah, appetite look, for Unity? Uh, look, so does everyone else. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's, it, it is, the, uh, I suppose, the city chic of retail. I'm mean, sorry, telecom. <laughs> yeah. so every small cap one manager has it. It's a massive crowd of trade. Oh, look, oh, they're good. They're doing well. I think their outlook looks pretty solid. But the market knows. Um, and everyone's priced that in. Um, and if you look at the share, you know, chart, you'll know that the market knows. Um, so in that context, it's really hard to get excited. Look, I think that telecommunications sector is going through change. There's a number of new players have come in, um, you know, Aussie Broadband. There's a number of these guys have come in and they're good executors. And with Telstra doing what it does and they're splitting out the info, infrastructure stock, is that going to make a play at NBN? You know, there's a lot of things happening. So I am interested in the sector. I am looking at it. But, you know, it just I, I just don't want to chase a stock where everyone knows and everyone's in. So unity is good, but everyone knows. Okay. Goran? Yeah, it is certainly uh, an investor favorite. Um, we own it. Uh, we got in a bit lower, uh, quite quite a bit lower, actually, than what is now. I've got a interesting history with this actually it's a bit like a, a romantic comedy our history with this <laughs> stock when we first met unity we did not like it at all <laughs> i wrote a, a, a scathing article about it um and when management well it was originally a wireless uh, a wireless um like a microwave uh, broadband business so it used to set up these towers and um and try and do wireless broadband using um microwave um uh, signals, which was just, it's a bad business model everywhere. It's, it's heaps of people have tried it. No one's made any money from it. And we weren't interested in that. And the new management came in and took it over and went on a wild acquisition spree. They bought um, ISPs, they bought physical assets, um, they bought a whole heap of niche telco services, and it didn't really make any coherent sense. And we owned a business called Opticom, which I think is was fantastic. It owned um, it owned the physical fiber cable in, in new um in new estates, so it was the NBN of new estates, um, and other companies would lease their fiber network. And when Unity made a bid for that, we were devastated because because I didn't want to own Unity and I wanted to keep owning Opticon. <laughs> but what Unity did, they actually bought the next three or four competitors, and they consolidated oh. that entire fiber space. And they are now the only competitors to the NBN in that wholesale fiber um, construction business. Right. Um, and um, I must admit, whether by accident or by design, management has stumbled onto a really good business model. Um, and I'm, look, I, I, a bit like um, the infrastructure we were talking about at the top of the show, I'm not sure public markets have adequately priced just how good um, wholesale fiber is. Um, you, you sort of lay it down once and um, with Unity, they actually get paid to lay it down and then they own it. And then it's about 20 years of stable, reliable revenues they can earn on that. And anyone who uses broadband um, via fiber has to pay them, regardless of which um, retailer they are with. Right. So it is a truly fantastic business. Um, I think it's probably fairly priced, um, but there's a lot of growth just built in. Every time they get a new, um, the new estate being added to the network, that new estate brings with it like 20 years of, of new revenue. So. Right. Um, the growth is substantial here. This could easily be um, a lot larger than it is today. 
uh, we hold it in our portfolios. It's a hold for our members, and and I think um, and I think that's the right call. I wouldn't be buying it up here. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go, Charlotte. Thank you for that. Um, Gorab Dave wants a view on Airtasker, only recently listed as well. The uh, um, how do you describe Airtasker? Sort of matching matching people's skills with customers, isn't it? It's an online marketplace for, for labour and odd jobs. Uh, if you have a task to, to complete, yep. you just pop it online and there's a whole bunch of um, suppliers and they then come to you. It's, it's a fairly yeah. well-worn platform model. Um, free, freelancer, Airtasker, Highpages. Um, yep. There's a whole heap of stocks internationally as well that, that use this business model. What's unique, what's what's um, consistent across all those business models is that none of them have been able to replicate the returns of traditional platforms like car sales and REA and, mm. and even eBay. You know, this, I think when you have these networks where um, one person's listing can be replicated across many, many platforms at sort of no cost, there's no real lock-in into the network. And I question how powerful the network effect is in these sort of business models. Yeah. It is very telling that none of them have really gone on to be mega profitable. Um, and there's a whole bunch of competitors that keep on popping up. So look, I'm we keep an eye on this from time to time, but there's very little interest um, from me. I'm, I'm quite happy to give this one a pass. Yep. Uh, Maitham? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough sector, as Gaurav mentioned. A number of those stocks haven't really done well. Um, and you're looking for a thematic that's going to be uh, replicated or someone who can dominate that segment and that hasn't really played out in this sector um, so you know you 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 keep an eye on it because if things change and the dynamic improves and these stocks start to deliver then you want to be there but it's a category that hasn't done well so I don't know when that'll turn around when these things will actually get the traction that we think they should or the, what the market thinks they should um, so one of those things where it could take a while and I'm not there while that's being played out. So it's one to keep an eye on as an overall sector. But yeah, so far we haven't seen anyone shoot the lights out. So I don't see how this is going to be any different. Okay. All right. Uh, Nathan, our final stock, uh, Tim wants a view on lifestyle communities that builds and operates mainly those, um, a lot of over 50s developments, does that? Uh, it's, it's probably one of the few obvious thematics where it's actually done well. Uh, where <laughs> most of the uh, sector, you haven't actually done well. And these guys are probably one of the few that execute quite well. Um, there's a fair amount of institutional money sitting in there and management's done quite well. They keep executing. Um, and it, you know, it's a, it's a pretty solid stock. And it, I mean, I don't see it shooting the lights out tomorrow, but if it gets hammered on some kind of market pullback, I'd be looking at it. Um, look, it's. It's one of those stocks, if you got in early and you got it cheap, you sit back and enjoy it till they get it something wrong. Um, they've done well. Uh, I think it's a good stock, it's thematic, uh, that most others have failed and uh, these guys have done well. Okay. So you stick to the winner. Okay, so put you down as a hold for that. Yeah. Yeah, Goran? It's a really good, this is a really good case study of, of what really matters in investing and in, and in businesses. Um, so Nathan's right, there's everyone everyone knows that boomer, there's, there's a big explosion in boomers, there's a big explosion in the demand for, for housing boomers, um, and there's been an, a, an enormous supply response. So lots of companies are providing 
retirement villages. Um, lots of capital has come into the industry to solve a specific problem. Um, but these guys have just done it better. Um, and it tells you that, you know, this, this idea of chasing thematics is a terrible way to invest. Um, and it's individuals who run businesses who make them good and bad. You know, it's, it's not chasing an idea. It's not chasing a market that makes the night, the business good or bad. It's the guys behind it or the girls mm. behind it. Sorry. <laughs> and, and here's an example of, of that very fact, you know, um, these guys have done something completely differently because the way they've priced their communities is 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 very unique and it uh, they're the first ones to do it so what they do is they actually sell it's a caravan model so they actually sell the building um that they have built um and they own all the land um and they provide services on top of that land as well so when the buyer comes in they buy the building at um, a, a quite a discounted model and these are always yeah. Uh, always out in regions and so the price is always quite a attractive and then they pay ongoing service fees um, and so the revenue pool that builds up is is a is a high quality um, reoccurring revenue pool and when the tenant dies or when the property goes to sale they the business collects 20 percent of the um of the sale proceeds of the property and and so far the properties actually have gone up in value um, the, the most amazing thing here is just the customer love for the, the business. This is the only business in the category where retirees are actually talking really positively about it. The reviews are fantastic. The reputation of the company is amazing. It's a really well-managed company. I'd love to own it. Um, we just can't bring myself to pay five times tangible asset value, sort of, I think it's sort of 40 times earnings. It's, it's expensive. Um, yep. But we, we first looked at this at seven bucks and gave it a pass saying it was too expensive. So clearly we've been wrong about it and it's probably worth paying up for such a high quality company. Okay. I can't All do right. it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's recap our final five stocks. Australian Pharmacy uh, is a yes from both uh, Gaurav and Maitan goes into the calls portfolio. Uh, City Chic, uh, a no from Maitan, a hold from Gaurav. Uh, Unity Group, a hold from Gaurav, a no from Maitan. So... Unity, which has been in the calls portfolio, now comes out of it, but it's had a good run for the portfolio. Um, Airtask are a no, and Lifestyle Communities a hold from both of them. Uh, Maitan Summers and Darren, great to see you. Don't forget you can now follow Maitan on Twitter as well from Big Data <laughs> Analytics. Uh, he's really hit his straps in the week. He's put everything into it, see if he can maintain it. Uh, Maitan, good to see you. Gaurav Sodi. You've got to get on just to follow Nathan. Um, oh, I don't know. Okay. Seems like a good reason to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, team. Good to see you. Uh, that's our show for today. If uh, you'd like any stocks covered by our expert panels, flick them in an email to us, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at ausbiz.tv um, handle. Reminder, you can find... All the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And at the end of every day, if you want a complete wrap up of what's been happening in business and finance and startups, subscribe to the Osbiz newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, you get a link to the COB podcast, and also links to the most popular interviews and videos on the platform during the day. Subscribe, osbiz.co forward slash COB. Coming up later um, on Ausbiz, Mark Carnegie uh, joins us to uh, uh, talk about the launch of the second cryptocurrency uh, fund, the MH Carnegie & Co. Fund. 
Um, second fund is to offer wholesale investors opportunities within the digital asset space. And he joins us at 1.40 uh, p.m. Eastern this afternoon. Mark Carnegie joining us here on Ausbiz. So a lot happening. You don't want to miss a moment of it. We'll be back after the break. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.